Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry, featuring the ministry of Witness Lee. Witness Lee was captured by the Lord Jesus as a young man of 19 in his native China. He consecrated his life to preach the gospel, and later labored side by side with Watchman Nee for parts of three decades, before eventually bringing this ministry to the West in 1962. He spent the next 35 years speaking to Christians in North America and all over the world before going to be with the Lord in 1997. The life study of the Bible is his most significant contribution to the heritage of biblical exposition, and we're delighted to be able to bring you short portions of his spoken ministry today. If you have questions or comments, or would like to find other Christians in your area enjoying this same ministry, just email us, radio at lsm.org. Again, that's radio at lsm.org. Here's today's program. After being established as king over Israel, God enabled Saul to defeat three successive enemies that were plaguing Israel. But during the course of these campaigns, it gradually became more and more clear what Saul was seeking in his own heart was not God's kingdom, but rather to build up a kingdom or a monarchy for himself. The third of these enemies, the Amalekites, had bothered the children of Israel many years before when they were traveling in the wilderness on their way to the good land after leaving Egypt. After Joshua defeated them, the Lord told Moses that he would war with the Amalekites from generation to generation because in typology, the Amalekites signify the most difficult of all of God's enemies— That is the flesh of mankind. Though King Saul may have had outward success in his battle against the Amalekites, inwardly he was defeated by his own compulsion to serve God according to his flesh. Bill Lawson has joined us for our fellowship. Bill, this is the third of these programs dealing with these enemies that Saul faced. Outwardly, he had success each time, first against the Ammonites, then against the Philistines, and now today, as we'll see, against the Amalekites. But what is revealed in this sequence of three is really quite striking and has a lot of application for us, doesn't it, in our Christian walk? Uh, Yes, it does, Chris. Especially these three, they represent various experiences that we have in dealing with the problems that are still within us. A number of believers feel that after a person is saved and regenerated, they have no more problem. Their sins are taken care of, and so they can just live the Christian life any way they want. But this lesson today is showing us that this thing called the flesh is with us until we die or until the Lord raptures us. It just doesn't go away. It's a constant problem to us. Probably the biggest problem to believers is this matter of the flesh. Would you say a little brief word, Bill, about typology and seeing the flesh typified here by this tribe called the Amalekites. Well, if we go back to Exodus chapter 17, when we first see this tribe, they struck Israel in Israel's journey into the good land. And in biblical typology, the Amalekites typify the flesh of man. Of course, God did not create the flesh. God created man upright in a perfect way, but because of Satan entering into the man's body, 
Man's body was transmuted in nature into the flesh. So Satan outside of man is just the devil. But when Satan entered into man's body, he transmuted it to become the flesh. So in typology, the Amalek there typifies the flesh, the fallen entire person of the old man. You mentioned something here that is key to understanding the program today. Perhaps the most difficult thing related to the flesh is that it's not what we just commonly assume in our natural understanding, the evil in man, the dark side of man. But in fact, much of the goodness in man is exposed or comes out through man's flesh. And it's this good flesh that becomes most problematic to the Lord in our daily walk because it deceives even ourselves and our own hearts. And such is the case, as we'll see today, with King Saul, who is taken in by his own flesh and his own desire to serve God, but according to the flesh. So the Amalekites were under God's severest judgment, and he gives this instruction in chapter 15 of 1 Samuel. Thus says Jehovah of hosts, I will punish the Amalekites, for what they did to Israel when they set themselves against them in the way as they came up out of Egypt. Go now, he says to King Saul, strike the Amalekites and utterly destroy all that they have, and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and suckling, oxen and sheep, camel and donkey." Not much ambiguity there, is there, Bill? No, that is quite absolute. That really shows God's severe judgment on this thing called the flesh in man. All right, let's join Witness Lee, and we'll be back to fellowship on this very important point. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, Saul was thoroughly exposed. This is a record of Saul's disobedience. He conquered the enemy, yet he was altogether disobedient to God. So he got fully exposed who he was and where he was. Firstly, God commanded Saul to defeat not only, but also to destroy the Amalekites. In typology, the Amalekites signifying the flesh. According to the Bible, the divine revelation shows us that God didn't create a flesh. God created a man. And this man became fallen. In man's fall, man gradually became flesh. And this was told clearly in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8. God said, man became flesh. I'm through with man. And in Romans, we are told, no flesh is justified before God. No flesh. That means no fleshly man. And all men have become flesh, including you and me. We are saved on the one hand, yet today we are still living in the flesh. When God in Christ to become a man, John 1, 14 says, the word became flesh. We say God became a man. But the Bible says God became flesh. So in the entire universe, 
eventually God's real enemy is not Satan, but you. Who is God's real enemy? You may say Satan. But the more I follow the Lord, the more I realize I am the top enemy of God. Me. As long as I remain in my status of the flesh, I'm the enemy. God didn't spend that many years, you see, to get rid of Satan. The hard thing for God to get rid of is the flesh. Bill, we uh, just have to acknowledge right up front, these are really strong words. It's very fascinating. He points out here in John chapter 1 that the Lord Jesus became flesh. The word became flesh. It reminded me a little bit, and you correct me if I'm missing the uh, connection here, but recently when we were in the life study of 2 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 5, where it says he was made sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him, in Christ. Talk about this matter of how he dealt with the flesh. Chris, I would say profound matter when you get into this matter of the Word becoming flesh, because we think, oh, how could that happen? It's easy for us to say God became a man. He was incarnated in the man Jesus, living a perfect human life. But the divine record says the Word became flesh. That means the Lord was incarnated after man fell. So the Word there says the Word became flesh. But when you compare that to Romans 8, 3, where Paul says God sending his own son in the likeness of the flesh of sin and concerning sin condemns sin in the flesh. So there it's defined more precisely. The Lord did not have the nature of the flesh of sin. He was only in the likeness of the flesh of sin, and that's how he was able to put the flesh of man to death in his crucifixion. So this is quite a profound matter. So it's a mystical matter that we cannot quite perfectly understand because, as you said, nothing of the sin nature touched or contaminated the Lord Jesus. He was perfect and perfectly without sin. Yet, in some sense, there had to be, as you said, this involvement or this association so that on the cross, when he died, he was able to crucify man's fallen flesh at that time, in addition to, of course, dealing with our sins, which are so you know closely identified there. Right. Of course, uh, also in the Gospel of John later, he likens it to the uh, brass serpent that was lifted up on the pole. And there, the Lord Jesus on the cross was like that brass serpent in the form, in the shape, in the likeness of the flesh, but without the serpentine nature, as you said. So uh, that's reinforcing the same point. But again, this is a difficult point. I think there are probably a number of writings, materials that we have at Living Stream that would be helpful on this matter, aren't there, Bill? Right. I would highly recommend Brother Lee's publication called The Experience of Life. It's a very detailed and precisely written work on the dealing of a Christian concerning the natural constitution, concerning the flesh, the self, the old man, the world. And uh, I would recommend highly to the readers this publication called The Experience of Life. Bill, you mentioned, and we've talked a little bit about, we'll uh, come to this matter now, the first encounter with the Amalekites is in Exodus chapter 17. 
And that was the story where they had been attacked and the Lord instructed Moses uh, to go up and he had some assistance with him and he was to hold his staff over his head. And as long as he was holding the staff overhead, Joshua and the armies of Israel prevailed. But when Moses would tire and his arms would fall, the Amalekites would prevail. And uh, the assistants had to help Moses to keep the staff up. Uh, But that was this matter of the Amalekites. And at the conclusion of the battle, the Lord speaks this word in chapter 17. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. For he said, for there is a hand against the throne of Yah, which is the throne of God. Jehovah will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. You get the sense the hand here against the throne of Yah or the throne of God is really the flesh. It it? is really the flesh. All right, let's join Witness Lee once again. There was a type in the Old Heaven typology signifying this matter. In Exodus 17, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and uh, were traveling in the wilderness, the Amalekites came. If you read the Bible, you can see God was very, very serious to deal with the Amalekites. God appointed Moses to pray for this matter on the one hand. On the other hand, God assigned Joshua to take the people of Israel to fight. Not only to fight against, but to fight down Amalekites. When Aaron Moses got tired and his hand came down, Joshua could not stand that fighting. Right? Eventually, God said, I will fight with Amalekites for generations and generations. God will fight. Think about it. Where is Satan that is fighting against God in the flesh? If there's no flesh on this earth, Satan would have no way to do anything against God. Today, in the church life, the trouble is all the time the flesh. So we do have a son. When we turn to our spirit, when we exercise our spirit, the vision is so clear. But when we would not exercise our spirit, but rather to remain in our flesh, the vision becomes deep. It's true. You may be so clear in the morning. When you exercise your spirit, just after 10 minutes, the breakfast has not been over yet. You turn from your spirit to your flesh. You came back to your old status in the flesh. The light is gone. Everything is dim. Who is the enemy to God? Who is the real troublemaker in the church life? You, me. We do have a spirit. Wonderful. But we also have, not only have, we are a flesh. Bill, this is really something. I was thinking as he was uh, telling this, using this example of what happens sometimes at the breakfast table. The distance between our flesh and our spirit can be the span of the universe, but it can also be the shortest distance almost in the universe because it just takes a matter of minutes to get from one to the other, doesn't it? Right. It was interesting, Brother Lee. 
and the word talking about the matter that the Lord would have war with Amalek from generation to generation. That means that the flesh is with us, Chris, our whole life. Yeah. The flesh is always with us, even though the Lord came into our spirit, regenerated our spirit. In our daily Christian life, our practical living may not at all be in our spirit, right. but absolutely be in our flesh, because the flesh is not just the evil part not just the corrupted body of man with a lust, with a pride, with losing our temper, with arguing with our wife. I mean, it's an endless amount of evil things, but also it can be the good things that come from what we are by nature. And we think all the things that we do bad, that's surely blatant. That's obviously sinful. But the good things we do, no matter what I do good, that's okay. But it's not that okay. And I think we'll see this a little bit later, that Saul really did what he thought some good things, but they were absolutely out of his flesh. Yeah, let's come to this point. I think this is important that we save enough time at the end of the program to really cover this because this is so important when we come to the matter of the flesh. Again, as you said, the pride, the ambition, the anger, the temper, the lust, all these things, we would have no problem identifying as the flesh. And if we're enlightened at all in our Christian life, we realize uh, that apart from the Lord, these things are very much still potential in our being, and we can succumb to any of them at any time. Mm -hmm. But it's the good things in our flesh that are more difficult to see and recognize and identify, and they are just as detestable in the eyes of Jehovah, especially in the service uh, to God, right, as these obviously evil things. Well, we read a while ago that the commandment that Jehovah gave to Saul here was unambiguous. It was very clear. He was to destroy the Amalekites and all things associated with them, the cattle, the oxen, the male, the female, the infant, the adult, like 100% obliteration. That was the commandment. And if we pick up the reading later in chapter 15, beginning at verse 12, then Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. And it was told Samuel saying, Saul went to Carmel and now has set up a monument for himself. And he has returned and passed on down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of Jehovah. I have fulfilled the word of Jehovah. And Samuel said, What then is this bleating of sheep in my ears, and the lowing of oxen that I hear? And Saul said to Samuel, I surely did obey the voice of Jehovah, and I went on the journey that Jehovah sent me on. And I have brought Agag, the king of the Amalekites, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But of the spoil, the people took sheep and oxen, the chief of those things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to Jehovah your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Does Jehovah delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as much as in obeying the voice of Jehovah? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and insubordination is like idolatry and teraphim. Because you have rejected the word of Jehovah, he has also rejected you from being king. Well, let's join Witness Lee, Bill. We'll have a minute or two to talk about this point. God acted very wisely to put Saul on this spot. You are the king. Go to destroy Amalekites and destroy them all, one by one, including their king. Not only 
their people, but all their cattle. You just slaughter them. Don't keep anyone. Right? There was such a commandment. But so, so this was a good chance for me to make myself so rich, to even make my people so rich. So they captured all the cattle. Instead of slaughter them, they captured. That was a king who was trying the best to build up his own monarchy within God's kingdom. Eventually Samuel told Saul, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. You say you spare the best ones to sacrifice them to Jehovah. But God prefers to have something better. And this something better is to obey his word. You didn't obey the word of God. He brought back for yourself all the people, all the cattle. Why you went this morning to raise up a monument for yourself. You didn't raise up anything for God. These words are too strong to expose what was sold there. And where was Saul there? He was an enemy of God. He rebelled against God. We all should be warned not to act, not to do anything in the kingdom of God by your flesh. We are the flesh. And we are his enemy. But the Son of God has crucified us, the flesh, on the cross. And he has come into us to regenerate our spirit. Now he's here, living in our spirit, moving, acting, taking the lead to guide us into the line of life for the building up of his body of Christ. And that is also the church of God, which is God's eternal kingdom. Bill, the Lord's command was so clear. Saul was to utterly destroy everything associated with the Amalekites, but he determined on his own to spare the good things, the good items, and to bring them back and use them in his service to God, sacrifice them to Jehovah. And his word at the end of this section was so clear. In the the service of the Lord, in building up the body of Christ, there is just no room for anything of our flesh, be it good or bad, is there? Right. It's really clear here that of paramount importance is this matter of obeying the Lord's word. There's this thing called the flesh in each one of us that wants to bring us into self-exaltation. Saul there was trying to say that, well, the people took all the things. Probably Saul didn't want to say no to the people and say, no, God told me to absolutely destroy everything. Don't touch anything. But Saul was not exercised at all, so he just allowed the the people to take the spoils. And even he had a good excuse that he could use them in worship and service to God. And this is a real warning to us as believers. Even though we are genuine believers, regenerated, trying to follow the Lord, we can serve God and we can offer a service to God 
and even worship God from the flesh. This is not easily seen, but it is very sobering that we should not have anything above the absolute obedience to the Lord. Whatever he says, that's it. Bill, it puts us in a situation where we really, it needs to bring us almost to our knees, doesn't it? To ask the Lord to shine and expose what in us fits in this category that uh, we may be uh, proud of, hanging on to, think that this is one of my good traits and I can use this to serve the Lord and honor the Lord. But we need his mercy to give us this kind of light, don't we? Right, really so. Uh, Again, I think here the context is not so much the bad flesh, or the entire fallen man, but the third definition that Brother Lee gives in the experience of life is this matter of the good flesh, that we can exercise our flesh and live in our flesh trying to serve God, trying to worship God, trying to offer things to God absolutely from our flesh, from our natural man, and this is an abomination to the Lord. This is not easily seen, and it's a real lesson for us. It really forces us, Chris, to live in our spirit to contact the Lord, to exercise, as Brother Lee said, so that we would not do anything from our flesh, whether it's bad or good. Well, I appreciate we can end this program, Bill, on the matter of coming back to our spirit and exercising our spirit to contact the Lord. That's really the salvation from our flesh day by day. We cannot kill the flesh by the flesh. We really need to walk according to and by the spirit, don't we? Right. Good program. Good fellowship. Thanks, Bill. You're welcome, Chris. We hope you uh, have been enlightened and helped by the program today. Uh, This book that Bill referred to, The Experience of Life by Witness Lee, if you'll call us toll-free, in addition to the printed life study, we can give you information about how to receive that. We're out of time, but let me give you quickly the toll-free number. It's 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Bill, thank you for joining us today. Join us again very soon. It's good to be back. And for Bill Lawson, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening. This program is brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, publisher of the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. To find out more about these two 20th century New Testament ministers, we invite you to visit our website, lsm.org. There you'll find more than 600 titles from both authors available online. You can also listen to recordings of Witness Lee's spoken messages and see the full array of material that Living Stream has to offer. Again, That's lsm.org. Thank you for listening today.